it is Adam, and we had the amazing opportunity to speak with Andy Grammer over Zoom video. Andy was born into a very musical household. His mom and dad were both songwriters. He was born in L.A., raised on the East Coast. But his dad really started to cut his teeth writing children's songs, which I think is very fascinating. So Andy grew up around, again, songwriters. He talked to us about how he got into music. Actually, he was really into sports growing up. He played basketball all through high school. But he picked up trumpet as well uh, at an early age, started playing trumpet in elementary school, and then uh, began writing songs shortly after that, showing them to his parents, kind of getting feedback that way. He talked to us about busking in Santa Monica. His huge song, Gotta Keep Your Head Up. The tour he did right before the pandemic and the amazing thing he did at the meet and greets. The music video he put together for that experience and all about his new record, which is coming out, and his most recent single, Damn, It Feels Good to Be Me. You can watch our interview with Andy Grammer on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Andy Grammer. This podcast is about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk about the new single and how you got to where you are now. Dude, amazing. Fantastic. Sweet. Uh, born in L.A., but raised on the East Coast? Is that correct? Yeah, so I was, I was born in Los Angeles. Uh, my dad is a – mom and dad were both songwriters, so I kind of grew up around that. My dad was chasing – trying to figure out his lane. So he was in Los Angeles, then he moved to Nashville to, to chase it, and then he moved to New York. And eventually, he was in a group called the Limelighters, which is like a folk group. And so I grew up like backstage at all these folk concerts. And then eventually he transitioned into children's music, which was his real passion. And it was awesome. Yeah, I read that. So were you real young when he was doing the children's songwriting thing? Yeah. I mean, when I was really young, he was still doing the folk singer thing, which is kind of cool. I've slowly understood that that definitely inspired it gave me like a baseline for where melodies are supposed to go for mm-hmm. me. And now, and then I kind of push off those when I'm writing music now, but I do have like, there's some, there's a way it's supposed to go in my head. I don't know if other writers, I'm sure everybody has that. It's like, it's supposed to go here. And then to make it interesting, let's not do that. Let's take it over here. But that's because just like growing up backstage around people singing all the time or all these kind of old folk songs. Wow. And would you see him perform like uh, growing up as a kid? Yeah, totally. And, and, and we saw there was a transition period that I remember, too, where we'd see the limelighter shows. And then from there, the day shows would be the kids shows. And those are very, very different. And they sure. I've, yeah. I've interviewed a handful of uh, ch- children's musicians, and they talk about how it's, it, you get to play a show at noon, you know, and be done. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, as you get older, that's really funny. So you get, yeah. you get to like, you're, you're done by three. What do you right. want to do? that's really funny it is weird right now because i uh, i have two kids so i have a one-year-old and a four-year-old and it's congratulations mayhem at my house right now i can't imagine i have a five-year-old it's yeah it's a lot it's ridiculous (laughs) and so we just started getting back to playing some shows and it's really funny because the show like my shows usually don't start till nine or ten but at home i mean my kids wake up at 5 a.m so by like 7 p.m i'm pretty much toast Right. Do, doing the thing like the weekend warrior game where you jump out and having a coffee 
like a like a nitro cold brew at 8 30 to be like let's go dude let's go they didn't come to see a dad they came to see like some a uh, rock star let's ride yeah yeah oh that's awesome well Great. okay growing up in a musical household what was the first instrument you learned how to play i what did i learn i i learned the trumpet first in band in school like i really loved being a part of the, all that just the feeling of of like harmony occurring and playing one note in the mix and there was always a piano in in my living room and i would sit down and kind of mess with it and there was a guitar around and i was always just way more interested in song than anything else okay so like gearhead never have been I, my favorite guitar is the baby taylor because it's so easy to write a song on mm -hmm. um i enjoy it i like i'm not against it but it's always been like i remember picking up a guitar before i knew how to play it and just like hitting the low note and trying to write a song immediately with just their low note it was always about uh -huh. how do we use this thing to put words to it to like get you to feel something it was never like how to what's the pentatonic scale like I, oh I, sure or even yeah. like i want to learn this song from whatever artist yeah okay so that came around 16 17 i started to get super into room for squares just guitar wise mm -hmm. that was so so much cooler than anything else that was happening at for me at the moment that was like he was my gateway drug into into cool cool chords and jazz okay. chords and all that you know like no such thing starts like way up on the top of the neck and it's this really interesting thing it's got like nines and uh, it was so cool so i i did dive hard into john mayer um and then paul simon and billy joel and mm -hmm. yeah okay very cool yeah. and when did you start you said you started writing songs almost immediately when did you did you start a band or is it always kind of just doing it on your own i didn't really try bands that never super worked for me i did um Around 16, 17, I made my first like little demos and they were pretty bad. And then, uh, and I was, I was mostly a jock, to be honest. Okay. Like, only really cared about basketball in high school. And then started like, whatever was left in the day, I would try to learn tabs, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah I remember tabs. The, inter the internet tab. <laughs> Ultimate thing. guitar tab or whatever that one website was. <laughs> It had like nine versions of every song because almost oh my all of them God. were wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing more like uh, like more of a bummer than to spend a lot of time to figure out how to play a tab of a song and be like, oh, this is just terribly wrong. This isn't even <laughs> right. close. Yeah. <laughs> like Twenty minutes in, like, oh no, no, no. It's not that I'm not. Yeah, this is just wrong. Um, I'm so envious of now that, that with YouTube, kids can just go on there and watch some pro teach you how to play it exactly. It like, oh, okay. That took me five yeah, minutes. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Yeah, so there was a lot of that. A lot of just time alone in my room. Uh, and then, you know, when I got into college, there was a lot of just writing out, uh, like, all the One Republic songs and all the songs mm -hmm. that Ryan Tedder had written like writing out the form of them and like oh, really studying why did you jump so fast in the pre to the hook and why does it feel like it's taking off more and then why like there was a lot of that like actually book like notebooks of just writing out all the songs and the song forms to figure mm -hmm. out the dynamics of why things are working the way they are that's such a different mindset that I'm, I would imagine most people when they come to writing like thinking about like breaking down the songs like that do you feel like it's because you grew up kind of around your parents that are songwriters did they influence yeah, that at maybe all, think? this idea that it's like half um like wild magic inspiration that no one can really control 
Mm -hmm. Uh, There's definitely that. And then the other full half is just technique and craft and understanding and not tricks, but like understanding the flow of something and what's the most important part and what's the hierarchy of the message and the way it comes, like the way the word rolls off your tongue. All that stuff was talked about and discussed at the dinner table when I was growing up. That's interesting. Which and- is so lucky. I just took it, <laughs> like super take it for granted. And, you know, I don't know for you, sometimes you look back throughout, like at your history, and you're like, oh yeah, like it's not crazy that I became a songwriter. This is like what we were doing. Right. Talking right. about like, oh, that's a cool lyric, but it's probably not the one you want to use in the hook because it's, it's like a little bit in- interesting, awkward, and you, you want it to be a little bit, you know, all that, all those discussions were just kind of like, around me and i was just grew up in them That's and then so when i cool. started started writing uh for myself and really going after it there was just this like real understanding i don't know from where exactly that you just have to write a hundred mm-hmm. and then like a bunch of like it was i forget his name shoot is it Rhett Rhett atkins uh, i don't remember i i did a session with a with a country writer at 20 number ones. I got to remember his name. This is, I'm a bad songwriting student for not knowing his name. <laughs> uh, shoot, I can't remember his name. COVID brain. Anyway, oh, good. I was like, hey, man, what do you know that I don't know? Like, you have 20 number one songs. What the hell? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, usually it's about one out of 100. So I've just written that many. And I was like, totally. There is something about that that is that simple. Which is interesting. Yeah. If just, you're willing it's like a numbers game up, almost. <laughs> if you're willing to show up and let go, it kind of like lets you be a little bit more relaxed that like my job isn't to write a smash hit that doesn't actually help anyone. If that's your thought process mm-hmm. <laughs> heading in, you do want to know like, oh, I, I love to study. Like I just listened to the one Republic album yesterday and it, it and I'm really listening from like, a, like, all right, what are you doing? Right. How are you doing? How are you doing this? And when I, Sometimes it's not super relaxing to listen to pop music for me right now because that's where my brain usually goes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's songs that are so like, I don't know, that just take you out of that. And those are amazing. My daughter loves right now. She's really into Michael Jackson and it's been fascinating to like re-listen to that. She's that's four cool. and every time we get in the car, she's like, beat it. Let's go. <laughs> and listening, back, listening back, it's such an awesome blend of complexity and super simple and so sometimes I like to just turn on jazz and not have to worry or think about any of it. There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> um, do you remember now, showing? Do you write as well? I, I don't. I just, I did radio for a long time. That was my kind of, I love music as a growing up as a huge fan, but I, I'm not very good. I could play guitar and just it never worked out for me, but Fantastic. this was my end to, to hang out with cool people and people good, that have succeeded. So I did radio in this. So that's kind of my career path. I'm great. curious, like with, with songwriting and writing songs and do you remember showing them to your parents? Like, were you like, Hey, yeah. you know, I have this song. Can you help me out? Or like, were you yeah. nervous showing them? Um, yeah, I, I'd be lying if I, if I said I wasn't nervous. I remember showing them and they would give very good feedback mm-hmm. Remember my mom saying things like there's, um, you're not doing a good job of making it clear what the most important thing is here. And being like, Oh, it's like, there's a lot of chords here and there's a lot of words and there's not, um, there's not a lot of quick clarity to what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to feel. And, you know, we were all words at my house, it was mm-hmm. like all words. And, and even, you know, getting started 
I didn't necessarily feel like my voice was going to do it alone. Like really? I, I was pretty clear. I have other friends. Yeah. Like you listen to like a Sam Smith and you're like, Oh yeah, your voice is going to do it. And right. you can actually get away with like, sometimes I'll hear Bruno Mars or Sam Smith or some of these like huge voices. They literally can sing lyrics and get away with them that other people can't sing because sure. it's like the part they're playing is, is a, is a different part. And so I kind of could tell pretty early on that like, I, I now think I have a great voice and I've like worked really hard at it and it does exactly what I want it to do. And it's beautiful. But starting out looking at the competition in the field, it was like, that's not the thing that's going to set me apart. Like I'm gonna have to write, I'm gonna have to write these songs and they're gonna have to do something to you. Right. And, and, and my voice is going to support that, but it's going to be the song that makes this thing work. Yeah. Well, they did. I mean, just having yeah. such a uplifting lyrics and songs i mean even from the get-go i mean keep yeah. your head up is the he was so huge and it's such a positive like song where a lot of people go to the very negative depressing uh, you know outlet and yours was like one like polar opposite of that yeah that's kind of um i think it's probably for everyone in every way but i i do think it's really hard to write uplifting music that isn't cheesy Right. It is. <laughs> I don't totally know why that is, but it's it's hard. If you it just if you just play a major chord or you play a minor chord, the minor chord's cooler. Right off the jump. It's just mm -hmm. cooler. Uh and so it that that's also a numbers game is I'm just someone who will take like a ton of cracks at it. Till it okay. feels authentic. Getting to authenticity with ha happier music, I think, is really hard. Especially mm -hmm. if you're not someone who's going to like, I, I'm not like a fuck boy. That's easier. I think if you can right. hold a red solo cup and sing happy, <laughs> it starts to have at least a little bit of like edge, but I'm not like, I'm a Baha'i. I don't drink alcohol. I wait until marriage to have sex. And so there's all, like, all the, like getting to authentic while still uplifting your spirit uh, can be really dicey. Sure. It, it, you, you, there's like a lot of pitfalls along the way. And so when you do get it, a song like Keep Your Head Up, I think a lot of what it is, is, is realizing that life is hard. And most of the time when you're trying to pull people up, it's because of pain. So pain usually is the grounding factor to an uplifting song. So a song like Keep Your Head Up is, is like, yeah, my life is really hard right now. My mom, like behind those lyrics is my mom just died. I don't have any money and I'm out on the street every day, just street performing and trying to make right you were busking like, weren't you prior I'm, to i'm trying to survive uh and so that is the true emotion behind this song and then from that place saying but you got to keep your head up right that starts to be like oh i can i can get with that that's cool you know and it's but, funny because that leads into a little but even so there i've always had this dance of like um, if I'm not going to hold the red solo cup and I'm not going to like allude to something sexually, uh, am I actually cool? And that's what this new single I love about mm -hmm. is like, I genuinely have reached a place where I care less. I can't <laughs> say I don't care at all, but like it used to be like way high, go to a setting, have a Diet Coke in my hand and apologize for myself the whole night. And like always trying to fit into whatever the version of rock star is supposed to be, 
you know, it's a little bit antiquated at this point, but it, when I was coming in like 10 years ago, it still was a little bit like, what do you, what's my role here? Okay. I've just been thrust in the scene. I have this big song and then I had an even bigger one and I had another one. And it's like, what is my, who am I? What's my role? Cause me being myself doesn't total doesn't really fit in this zone. Right. Um, and that mold like, of like rock star. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I bet I would imagine that being very hard. I, I don't drink either, but it would be like you're just totally surrounded by it all the time and people partying and this. And it's like, OK, totally. like, it's not and really deep, my scene. The deeper you go, it's like everybody feels that even mm-hmm. the people that are like supposedly cookie cutter for exactly the right reasons. They feel that for a totally different reason. So it doesn't make me special by any means. I think we all right. somehow feel like outsiders in our in our place. Mm-hmm. But this new one, damn, it feels good to be me is just like really relaxing into like, though, this is the piece like people want, the people that come to me want that from me. Mm-hmm. Like very clearly, the people that come to my shows, they want this version of grounded optimism. They want these songs that, that pick them up. Um, so, so stop trying, dude. Like, stop. That's like the big lesson of, I think most art is like, stop trying. And I've done you have days where you win that battle and then you have days where you don't like, it's not an easy, uh, it's not, it's not as easy as like, just be yourself. I think that's such a hard thing to tell an artist. Oh yeah. It's the hardest thing there is. Even for radio, they're like, when you're first starting out, they're like, just be you. You're the best version of you. It's like, how do I like, cause you're trying to emulate whatever people are doing and what you, your heroes are doing. And then they're like, well, that's them. That's not you. And you're like, ah, how do I do this? There's a lot of work. (laughs) I always say that like, when someone says be just be you, it sounds like it's very easy, but that's the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Like you have to grind to figure out what that is. And I like right. to say that as much as possible because yes, the answer still is be you, <laughs> but do all the weird things and, and, and try and experiment to figure out what the hell that actually is. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, oh, I just heard this awesome quote the other day. I forget tension. When you feel tension, it's usually because you're trying too hard. And when you feel relaxation, it means that you're like being, you're a little bit more in your center, which I think is probably true, uh-huh. but you still gotta, you gotta experiment and try stuff. Yeah. It's, a, it's a whole dance, but there is something about my life right now where there's less like trying. And that's, that's good. That's great. good. Yeah. And you say, it per- I mean, this title of the song says it perfectly. Damn, it feels good to be me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like really settling into the idea that my music is not for everyone. Oh, mm-hmm. That's super liberating. If there's any <laughs> artists or songwriters out there, like, yeah, it's not for everyone. You know, I had this, uh, I was doing this thing where I was like writing little text messages and, and voice notes to different artists mm-hmm. and just like trying to, I love trying to encourage people to, to go after what they're doing. And I had this idea around olives where like, I don't like olives. I've never liked the taste of them. I never have. And, and I just don't like categorically, I think they're disgusting. I can't understand why anybody else would like olives. Mm-hmm. So if you put like a lot of t- like time and care and love into making the perfect olive, I'm still going to hate it. <laughs> so you should never worry about me. Mm-hmm. It's, it shouldn't, it, you shouldn't be trying to get me. You should go after the people that already like enjoy that taste and that flavor. And there's something that's really freeing about that idea that you could go like, Oh, I'm not for everyone. And yes, there's going to be people that love what I do and people that hate what I do. And I just got to continue to figure out what my favorite piece of this is and keep putting it out, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And that mm-hmm. seems like a simple idea that is, is uh, a little bit hard to get to. Sure. I mean, your optimism is, very, I imagine it's very hard to get to. I mean, my, me just looking out as an outsider, just, I mean, keep your head up and even, you know, honey, I'm good. All your songs are very uplifting. And I love what you did on, was your last tour where you had your meet and greet people kind of yeah, talk about the hardest thing that they've been through. And you put it in that music video and it's just so beautifully done. And it works perfect with that song that you did. Super cool. Like, like yeah, talk- go, kind of going back to the idea of pain. Yeah. And what, what the purpose of pain is and what the purpose of struggle is. And if you really do think that it's there to make you grow, then that to me is grounded optimism. If the purpose of my mom passing away uh, is to like show me true empathy for other people, like, mm-hmm. like I was just a hap- like fairly happy individual, pretty good at sports, fairly popular, didn't have anything that like really threw off my center. Mm-hmm. And then my mom passed away and I got to really understand like, oh, people are hurting really bad around me all the time and it's like i got goggles like empathy goggles from that experience um knowing just seeing the world that way that that what i go through is here to make me stronger for something else that is a way that's like a very simple grounded optimism so like you're alluding to if nobody else saw it the meet and greet was everybody come tell me the worst thing that happened to you and what it forced you to turn into (laughs) and it was crazy i'll never be the same i did it it was like 40 cities every night. Wow. You'd, you'd hear the craziest shit that happened to someone mm-hmm. and then what it forced them to turn into in the positive. And it, it was just so amazing. And like my, like trains your mind to see life that way. If you can be like heading into life when all the bad things are happening and see them as training you to be something better. That's re- I can get on board with that. Those are like uplifting songs that I'm into. Mm-hmm. I want to hear, you know. Yeah. What a, I mean, how did you come up with that idea? I mean, how liberating for a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, so we had, I, we knew this song, Wish You Pain was really special, but it needed like a little bit of explaining. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it came, it came from this quote. Like I said, I'm a Baha'i, there's a Baha'i quote that just talks about like, um, the captain who's been in the most storms is the best captain and the tree that has been like, um, cut is the one that grows the tallest and and then it says uh like funny it is that i love you and still i'm happy that you have sorrow because that's like what makes you grow Mm -hmm. so between that quote and then of course my manager who's my deep collaborator ben singer uh we were just like trying to figure out how to make the tour special and he was like what if you wrote a song every night on the spot with using someone's story and that kind of bled into the meet and greet. So we did this meet and greet and then uh, we'd, act, we'd literally pull someone out of the crowd, have them share their deepest pain. And then uh, we had a spoken word artist and I would write a hook and the spoken word artist would do a specific song for each person every night. And That's it was so awesome. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes they were incredible. Sometimes they bombed. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is art. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a cool. And that was right before the pandemic happened when you were, when you were doing that tour. Yeah. That was right before the pandemic. Oh my gosh. So then the pandemic hits and how do you keep, you know, your optimism up? Man, step one is I didn't like, (laughs) honestly, step Uh one, I just like got completely rocked and, uh, went into a little bit of a depression, got a therapist, Uh just did a lot of like digging around to figure out what I, you know, I'm like super extroverted guy and I couldn't do anything. I couldn't play shows, super upset. 
Um, and then kind of like realized that there was a bunch of work to be done inside myself, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of songs came out of that kind of mm-hmm. like if you're getting too, if something, an event like this throws you off this hard, then you're getting too much of your worth from outside of yourself. That's what the big lesson that I took from it. Like and so that. a lot of these songs are, uh, are kind of about this, this self love journey. Which, listen, I know that I picked the ones that are the hardest fucking ones to make cool. <laughs> Self-love is, like, not cool. It's not. I, that, like, but I know that it's real and sincere. And so then I go about it and start chiseling and start writing to try and figure out, like, man, this is true to me. So there's a way to get this out that will resonate with people. It might just take me writing the song 20 times. It might just take the right angle. Like I got to get through this door or fit. like I check on every weight on how I can get in because it's a true idea. It's a true thought. And, uh, and then you have songs like damn, it feels good to be me, which feels mm-hmm. like kind of rebellious and bombastic and really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's another one that's going to come called love myself, which is like a little bit more the other side of like, shit, man, when I really look at it, I don't know why it feels weird. I don't know how much I love myself. Like really taking a look at that was a little bit crazy. Um, yeah, there's like some introspective stuff that I think we all kind of went through during the pandemic. When mm-hmm. you can't do the thing that you gather a lot of your self-worth from, then where do you get it from? That was a really hard pill to swallow. I can imagine. Was this record just, did you have just some downtime and like, and you just started writing the album over the course of the last year and a half? Some of it was started before the pandemic. And then a lot of it, we did um quarantine writing camp with some of my favorite writers. Um, How was that? Such a cool way to do it, man. Like for me right now to go in for two weeks and just every day, right. For six or seven hours with some, with people that you think are incredible was mm-hmm. just so needed, especially in the pandemic for my mental sanity to sure. just get to go be super creative and create a lot of, uh, a lot of the great art. It was really, really, really necessary for me. That is awesome. Have you had a chance to perform since the pandemic? Yeah, we have like little pockets here and there that make sense, you know, that feel safe enough to go play a show yeah. outdoors or something like that. And it's been amazing. Yeah, I could have met. Have you been to a show? I have not. I'm actually going to Bonnaroo this weekend. So that'll be my oh, first kind of sick. experience. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, a long time since I've seen a show. It's uh, It's crazy. It's like, I always say that being a songwriter and a performer is like you're the chef in the back coming up with a creation mm-hmm. and then you need the other I mean for me I need the other side where you go and you lay the plate in front of someone and you kind of get to see whether it's hitting them right or not mm-hmm. and to have such a long period where you didn't get to do that um, I don't know I, I always talk about touring and not touring is they're both hard and fun but it, it, it's as though you're standing, just holding, you're just standing on your left foot. And then after a while, you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> and you move over <laughs> your right foot and you tour for too long. I need to go home. And then it, the, the balance of it is what makes it work. And for me, I, I need, I need that. I need both sides of it. Mm-hmm. And so we actually, last weekend we got to play a show and uh, just, just having experiences like my song, don't give up on me. I was about to play it and I saw a girl in the front row who had a shaved head and I could kind of get a sense that she had cancer. Mm-hmm. And I went up and said, like, can I, uh, can I dedicate this song to you? And she said, yes. And then she came on stage and these moments that are so much bigger 
than yourself or bigger than any sort of business transaction or bigger than they're just that those moments from live shows I desperately miss mm-hmm. you know I desperately miss those it's so great to even have little little appetizers of them every once in a while I love that and I, again I love how optimistic you are how positive you are because I'm sure that's was even a hurdle to get over just being the you know that people it's hard to like be positive because I feel like people always want to knock you down and then the fact that you're just Everything you do is very optimistic. I, yeah. I just uh, I um, credit you last, like how crazy that, I mean, how awesome that is. My last record was titled Naive. And the idea of that was basically that when you are optimistic, a lot of times you're, con- you're misconstrued as being naive. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've dealt with that my whole life. And I'm kind of, again, I'm like at peace with it at this point. I know I, I understand how I will be perceived right? because the world is really hard. Mm-hmm. So I could see if you're having a bad day and Andy says it's good to be alive right now um, or something to that effect. It's like, yeah, you shut the fuck up, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, how do you how can you be happy all the time? Like if you get that. I'm sure you get that quite a bit. Like, oh, yeah. like you can't. You know, that's not it's it's almost like you're faking it because you are being optimistic like like you said it's you perfectly nailed the um authenticity with it all like it's hard to be authentic and positive at, for people to see it you know what i mean for people to feel it yeah i'm gonna do i'm gonna do this um it's a like a one minute poem that i would start my shows with this mm-hmm. explains it the best way about naive is the idea that um it is no longer impressive to me to watch these melancholy documentaries exposing that behind the things we buy, we love or eat is a bunch of shitty people run by money, sex, and greed. I'm not impressed with the focus. Though what they say it might be true. We ignore the beauty of the forest obsessing on low-hanging fruit. What about my soul? What about this life? What about the infinite space in the sky? What about the galaxies of possibilities swimming in my daughter's eyes? I've been labeled positive, optimistic, the guy that makes the happy music. And while I'm flattered, with these words come with an aftertaste of stupid. As if smart people are the ones who used to smile but learned their lesson. As if the scientific truth of reality is that it's depressing. I do not agree. So if it's stupid to see the good in everything, then hell yeah, call me naive. That is like, I would start there. Right? I love that. That is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I would start there um, and then you know, then we'd like go, I, I would like go into the crowd with the lights down and the spotlight would come on and I'd stand up and I would just, and then I pl- have a song called Naive, which is around that idea. Uh-huh. And that would start the whole vibe. And I think the, um, that's still coming from a place of like rebellious, like, I don't care if you don't get me mm-hmm. starting to get there. And then damn, it feels good to be me. is even more comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's even more like, no, no, seriously, I, this is a party. Like, I'm so happy to not be carrying baggage around this idea of trying to be cool or being thirsty or trying to fit into a certain place and really lounging back in with like a Snuggie and just being like, this is where I'm at. And I think people really enjoy it. I think people are going to enjoy this. Um, So that's really fun. I love it. And is that kind of the vibe of the the whole record? Yeah, there's definitely some some more of this, like, I don't even know what style you call it. It's like... (laughs) Uh, it's just weird and wild. And I, I had really, um, 
was enjoying a lot of horns. Mm-hmm. Like I, my daughter's name is Louisiana and uh, my wife and her mom are, her mom is from Louisiana. Oh, and I so we that. listened to like a ton of Louis Prima bath time is all Louis Prima and uh, Louis Armstrong. And I don't know. I, I, those are references that I can't say this music sounds like, but whatever that is coming through me sounds like this. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And thank cool. you so much, Andy, for, for talking with me. I love the the two songs that you put out, you know, thus far, which are coming on the record. Dude, and, thank you. And thank you so much. Um, I, I have one more question it. for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, there's like, I take this so seriously and want to pack the best punch. If there's aspiring artists listening, um, it's you. It's all going to be you. Like no one's coming to save you, to discover you. That you might have a partner that comes to work with you, but in every situation, make sure that someone else gets more than you get. That's how mo- that's how movement goes. So like like when I was a street performer, I have to deliver so hard for you in some way that you're getting more than the $10 you're giving me. Uh, because you like, you like what I did. And so when I go to a radio station, um, I need to make sure that I left you with a performance or a feeling or a sense that is so much more than like, like think of how, how much, how high the bar is right now, for how much music is being put out. Um, when was the last time you heard a song and then had to go look it up? You have to leave. What that feeling is, is that you've given someone something that really affected them and made them take an action. And to get there is just a ton of hard work and a lot of, I don't know, almost like artistic selflessness to just be someone that was always down to go the extra mile, do the extra thing, write the extra song. And then while, so that's like the the hustle aspect. And then the artistic aspect is just as even like we said, it's an impossible task, but try to be yourself as much as possible. Those two things together, I think will create motion in the way to do it.